hopefully your Bible is starting to fall open at this passage, and uh, you can get there quite naturally. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. You know, we've been talking about growing up in Christ. Uh, the whole, the, the major theme is becoming mature in Christ, and our opening uh, messages are dealing with um, <clears throat> how the Bible, the Word of God, helps us to come to maturity, how it helps us grow up uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Scripture says that uh, infants drink the milk of the Word. It says that adolescents are strong and the Word of God abides in them and they have overcome the evil one and that those who have become mature are able to handle strong meat. So there's a lot of analogies in Scripture about the importance of the Bible in developing that spiritual maturity. We've looked at Paul's statement about the Scriptures in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, uh, equipped for every good work. And we've looked at the, the nature of the Bible, and we last week looked at the profitability of Scripture, uh, not only for these four things, but by extension for our whole lives. So this morning, I want to take some time and look at each one of these words. There's three words and one phrase that talk about the specific ways in which the Bible profits us toward maturity. The, the doctrine or teaching, the correction, uh, the reproof, and the training for righteousness. You know, as believers, the Bible is basically our textbook. It's our guide for life. It's the thing that gives us the foundation for all other things. In fact, if you look at Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3, you don't have to turn there. I think it's already printed in the margin of your study guide. But in Second Peter 1, 3, uh, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Peter writes that in Christ, as we grow in the experiential knowledge of Him, he provides for us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need for life and godliness. Now, think about that. What's left out of that? Everything we need for life and for godliness is provided through our experiential knowledge and understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've seen in the last couple of messages how it is that the Bible is the thing that brings us to a knowledge of Christ. It's not just reading the information in Scripture, but it's coming to know God through the Scripture. As we open the Bible and basically say, Lord, teach me about Yourself, that in the Scripture, the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed, and as He is, He provides everything that pertains to life and godliness. In fact, our statement of faith says, that the Bible is our final rule and authority for all of faith and life. So, I ask this morning, what can you learn from the Bible exactly? Well, there are some things you can't learn 
from the Bible. You're not going to learn trigonometry. You won't learn physics. Uh, you probably won't learn very much about chemistry. Um, you may not learn a great deal about uh, uh, the tax code in the United States if you study the Bible. Uh, there are a lot of professions and uh, jobs that you would prepare for that give you a body of knowledge that you're not going to find in the Bible. But when it comes to the significant things of life, and I'm not in any way attempting to detract from careers and those other kinds of things, uh, college education or whatever, but all of those things just simply prepare you to make a living or to give you information. There's a much bigger picture to life how to get along with people, how to make it in the world in terms of uh, emotionally and, and with stability, how to uh, move through life with wisdom and grace and all the kinds of things that you need to, to grow up and be a, a solid, stable person and deal with the crises and problems of life. All of those things the Bible actually does teach us. In fact, in letters B and C, of your first uh, Roman numeral there in the study guide, I have given you 54 words or phrases about subjects that you can find teaching on in the Bible. For example, values, self-image, wisdom, understanding human nature. I mentioned in the first service this morning that you you couldn't study, for example, uh, medicine, cardiology, in the Bible. You're not going to learn how the heart works. But you know, you can study psychology in the Bible. In fact, the Bible is all about psychology. The Bible is the one authoritative source that tells us why people act the way they act. It explains to us our life. And in the midst of that, it talks about how to have a good self-image. You know, if you've ever taken a psychology course, you learned about defense mechanisms, right? You know what those are? Uh, The the ways that you use to kind of protect your ego, uh, the kind of things that you do to sort of defend yourself. Um, All day long, the the boss is just giving you grief and hassling you and yelling at you, and you've had a rough day at work. But you know you can't yell at him because if you do, you could get fired. So you go home and you... Yell at your spouse. Now, they don't have any idea what kind of day you've had or what's been going on, you know. But the idea is you go home and you yell at your spouse or you kick the dog or you're mean to the kids. And it's like, wow, where's that coming from? Well, it has nothing to do with home. It has to do with dealing with all that pent-up frustration that you've had all day long, okay? You don't need those defense mechanisms. The Bible actually uh, will give you wisdom for taking a good look in the mirror, calling a spade a spade, coming to deal with truth. And then in the midst of that, you know, when you look in the mirror and you say, wow, I am a mess. That's part of a good self-image, by the way. Did you know that? (laughs) You know, you look in the mirror and you say, I just, I really am behaving poorly right now. But you also recognize that God loves me unconditionally that God has set his affection on me that God cherishes 
my relationship with Him. That I am important and significant to the God of the universe, the Creator of heaven and earth. I matter to Him. And He is willing to transform my life so that I don't continue to uh, use those tactics to excuse bad behavior, but I'm able to grow in the knowledge of Christ. A good self-image really comes from Scripture. And the Bible is all about that. It's all about uh, being honest with ourselves and uh, not having to be the first in, in, in all things and allowing the Lord Jesus Christ to not only transform us, but to assure us of His love. The Bible teaches us about romance. It teaches us about marriage, about family, about parenting, about keeping covenants. The, the scripture is full of stories of romance. If you haven't discovered that, you, you need to go back and start reading again and, and learn that there are all kinds of uh, stories from Genesis to Revelation about human relationships and romance. But there's also an overarching theme of the most significant romance in all the universe. And that's the, the love relationship between God and His people. We are the bride of Christ. And He loves us. And He even created the institution of marriage that when it is doing well, it portrays the relationship by illustration that God has with His people. <coughs> There's all of that teaching in the Scripture. It talks about how to parent and... Uh, how to raise your children. There's information about that in Scripture. You know, the first commandment was a promise. When you look at the Ten Commandments, it's broken into two tablets. One tablet, the first four, deals with our relationship to God. And the second tablet, the last six, deal, deals with our relationship with one another. And the first one of those six says, Children, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the earth which the Lord your God gives you. Paul quotes that in Ephesians. He says, children, honor your parents and uh, obey them um, in the Lord, for this is the first commandment with a promise. But you know, it's kind of a dangerous thing to make a carte blanche statement about obedience if you don't also address the parenting side of the equation. And so the Apostle Paul goes on to talk about parents and says, And fathers, do not exasperate or frustrate your children, but teach them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So there's guidance for parents, there's guidance for children, there's guidance for employers, there's guidance for employees. There's all that kind of information in Scripture. Did you know that the Bible is actually a handbook on how to be successful in business. We're having a competition down here to see, to see who, who can preach the loudest. But, uh, but the Bible is actually a handbook on business. If you don't believe that, read the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, so a chapter a day will take you through Proverbs in a month. And if you were to say, I'm going to read the Proverbs, and uh, I am going to read it with a view toward what can Proverbs teach me about business? 
you are going to find that there's tons of information there in the Proverbs about how to handle business. Or you could start over the next month and say, what are Proverbs going to teach me about finance? Or you could start over and say, what are Proverbs going to teach me about uh, relationships with the opposite sex? Or you could start over and say, what what does Proverbs have to say? What does it have to say uh, about um, just the basic wisdom of living life? And you will find that no matter how you approach Proverbs, there are many applications and instructions that are given to bring wisdom and depth of character. And I mean, it gets down to the nitty-gritty. It talks about inventory management and money management and employee relationships. Go look at the book and find out. All of those things can be found in Proverbs. The Bible tells us how to deal with our neighbors, the good ones and the bad ones. It tells us how to live in community. It talks about national life. The Bible has information about law enforcement. Did you know that there are instructions in the Bible about how to be a good police officer? Really? You can find that in Scripture. And how to deal with restitution and the penal system and people that are violators of the law. The Bible even has information to tell us how to deal with depression, how to handle oppression or persecution, how to deal with poor health with failures, with dying, with death, and with grief. Every truly important aspect of living life is addressed in the Bible in terms of what God has told us about the really crucial things. Furthermore, the Bible is is clearly our textbook of our faith. It talks about our creation, our origins, our human nature. It talks about how we got in the mess we're in and how God has set about to get us out of it. It talks about conviction and dealing with sin and dealing with judgment. It talks about heaven. It talks about hell, life after death. It talks about uh, forgiveness and cleansing and, and restoration. The Bible has all kinds of things to say about our relationship with the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and and how God operates in our lives. All of these things the Bible teaches us. Now, I, I know that many of you are still working on last week's study guide, and I was so pleased to hear uh, how seriously many of you are taking that. It just kind of thrilled me this week to get reports from different ones of the groups of what people were doing that. So I'm not trying to pile heaps on heaps, but I've got another little assignment for you. Well, it's not a little assignment. It's a big assignment. But, uh, but I, I want to give you some insight into, into studying the Scriptures. I mentioned uh, how to use this study guide on the back sheet of it, and I talk about the fact that in Roman number 1, there are 54 words and phrases that have to do with topics that the Bible has something to say about. But you notice, strangely, I didn't give you any Scripture references today. Uh Uh-oh. Because I thought you could find them. And uh, there's a couple ways to go about that. You could look in the back of your Bible 
in the concordance and look up some topics that uh, are intriguing to you. Or you could start with a verse you know, and you could read that verse and look at the center column or the margin and get some cross-references. Or you could kind of cheat a little bit. Uh, It's not really cheating. It's using good Bible tools. You could get a Knaves topical Bible and uh, look it up. Or if you really want to get creative, you could just Google it. You know, you can you can just put the word in Google and say, what does the Bible have to say about X? And somebody out there in the world is going to have written a web page on what the Bible has to say about that. Now, if you start to look at Scripture, by the way, don't take their word for it. Go look it up in the Bible. I mean, that, that, that's just your shortcut to get to the true truth. <laughs> you start reading everything everybody says about the Bible, you're going to be in trouble. But read what the Bible says. And then when you find verses that fit these topics, just jot it down. And when you go to your group, if you could, if you could maybe do 10 uh, before your next group meeting and share what you learned and share with each other. And if you could do that every week for a while, do you know what would happen? You would begin to build your own topical Bible. Because as you share with each other and put the verses together, and then when you get a collection of verses properly interpreted, that apply to a subject, do you know what you're developing? A biblical theology. You're developing doctrine. That's what it is. It's not complex. It's not seminary stuff only. This is for everybody. This is for every child of God that's born again to build a collection in their heart and mind, about what the Bible has to say about all the various topics that affect our lives. So that when you're dealing with various things and you don't know what to do, you have the scriptures to give you guidance and to give you wisdom. You can do theology. Theology is the study of God. And that's what every believer is supposed to be about, getting to know God better through his word. Well, Paul says not only does the Bible give us the basic teaching about the subject matter, but it also brings reproof into our lives. Now, when you read the Bible and you have invited the Holy Spirit to help you, You know, you start out something like this. Lord, as I read your word today, talk to me by your Holy Spirit. Uh, Show me what you want to do in my life. You know, and, uh, and you may be reading along in the scriptures. And, uh, all of a sudden, uh, you're in Ephesians 4. I happen to pick on this one again, uh, Because our tongues are a huge problem. James says they're like wildfire. Man, they're always getting us in trouble. And so in Ephesians 4, Paul says, Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, for the need of the moment, that it can give grace to those that hear. Now, remember that verse for just a moment. But let me back up. You're just reading along, minding your own business, and you're reading through Ephesians, and you come to chapter 4, and you're kind of reading down chapter 4, and you come to this verse, and the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder. 
You remember when you had that phone conversation the other day? You remember when you were having lunch at the office and you were talking about this co-worker of yours that wasn't present? You, you remember uh, when you were telling that story that wasn't very edifying? Tap, tap, tap. You know, and, and the Holy Spirit brings conviction. He points out our sin. That's a part of his ministry. Jesus said when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. As you read the scripture, and you know the beautiful thing about God's conviction? He's dead serious, but he's always positive and affirming. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't just beat you down. The devil beats you down. He does what's called accusing you. But the Holy Spirit convicts. There's a huge difference. And in his conviction, he brings you to an awareness of sin, but then he provides correction. That's the second part of the kind of equation. We've talked about the teaching, now we're conviction, now correction. Because the next thing he says is, well, how should I talk, Lord? Well, speak those words that are good for edification. Well, I don't know what edification means. Okay, stop and look it up. You can't find everything in Webster's, but you can find a lot of information from Webster's. I mean, it is an English word. So look up edification. It means to build up. It means to encourage, to strengthen. Okay, speak those words that build people up, that strengthen them, that encourage them. The kind of word that is appropriate in the need of the moment that it can give grace to those who hear. You know, here's an exciting dynamic. God is the one who gives grace. But when you are speaking in such a way to put your finger on the, the issues that another person is dealing with and you give them encouragement and, and you build them up, the Holy Spirit brings grace into the And you get to be a partner with God. I mean, that's really cool. And so God shows you the problem and he shows you the solution. And he doesn't leave you there. He gives you the power to change from one to the other. Lord, I am sorry about the way I've just, I've gotten sloppy in my speech. I ask you to forgive me. But I really want you to empower me to, to do this well. And as you go through the Bible, God will talk to you about different things that are going on in your life. He knows just how to put his finger on the problem. You know, one of the things that people get into trouble with all the time, this is one of the biggest problems in, in counseling with people, they want to accuse other people at the level of their motives. I know why they did that. It was just so they could get even. Really? You know that? How, how do you know that? Well, I just know it's true because I know them. They're real jerks. How do you know that? 
How do you know what's really going on in their life? Now, the Bible does tell us that we can know a, a tree by the fruit it bears. Okay, and if you're if you're missing something in your house and your neighbor was just over, and then you go to visit them and you find it in their house, there's a pretty good chance they stole it. Okay, I mean you don't have to be super spiritual and close your eyes to that reality. If if you if you don't have it and they do have it, it and it just happened, it's probably them that took it. You know, um, you might want to be gingerly uh, ginger about how you approach that. But nonetheless, that's obvious. But motives are not obvious. In fact, it answers the what, but it doesn't answer the why. Why did you take my special vase? You know, be prepared. Well, I noticed it had a chip in it, and I'm kind of an expert at ceramics, and I thought I'd surprise you by fixing it and bringing it back because I knew it was so special to you. Now, that's not a good thing to do, but maybe that's why they did it. I don't know, you know. But when it comes to your motives, the Holy Spirit of God can put his finger right on it. Because the scripture says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to get into the inside of your being and, and divide the thoughts and intentions of your heart. God cannot only identify your behavior. He knows your heart. And He can talk to you about what's going on in the inside. You know, I've counseled with couples in the past that uh, have a problem throwing things at one another. You know, they throw dishes, plants, occasionally a piece of furniture, you know. <laughs> I remember, why do you do that? You know, I asked, why do you do that? Well, they just make me so mad, I can't help it. Oh, really? Do you do that at work? Uh, no. Do you do that in a restaurant? Well, the next time you need to have a, a fight, why don't you go to a restaurant? Because you'll have some barriers around you, social inhibitions. Let me tell you a secret. If I'm talking to anybody here this morning, let me tell you a secret. If you can behave properly in a restaurant and you can behave properly at work, you can behave properly at home. You just don't want to. That's the truth. But self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. But God wants to get beyond in our development our outward behavior. He wants to deal with our thoughts even. God wants to purify not only how we act, but how we think. So that as we grow up in Christ, we even think the way God thinks. And so he gets down to the inside. And I will tell you very truthfully, the first thing he does in our spiritual development is he corrects that outward stuff. I mean, that's pretty early on, because if you keep uh, living like you used to, you're just going to always be in a mess. But pretty soon he begins to drill in 
and get to the core of, of what's going on with you. And all the while, the encouragement of God is, I love you. I love you. You're precious to me. You're valuable. And I want to fix you. I want to help you. I want to change you. And so the Holy Spirit not only shows us what to do, but He is available in our life to do it. Lord, I don't know how, but I'm counting on you to do this. I'm going to trust you. I'm not a patient person, but your patience is perfect. So I'm counting on you to do it. And in due time, we grow in him. In fact, the scripture says this trilogy of things is repeated over and over again as God trains us in righteousness. It's kind of like climbing a mountain. It's not like going around in circles. It's like going around a mountain toward the top. As you move around it, the circles get tighter and tighter like a spiral until you come to the top where you're just really close to God. Because God wants to take you through the sequence of teaching you, convicting you, correcting you, showing you how it's done, empowering you, filling you with His Spirit, building righteousness in your life until you begin to look like Him. And along the way, when you hit snags in life, you can find how to deal with them in the Scripture. When you run into a period of poor health, you can turn to the Scripture and find counsel and guidance. You know, the Bible talks about divine healing. It has a lot to say about divine healing, but I will tell you, there's mystery there. I don't fully comprehend that. And the Apostle Paul even struggled with something in his body that just wasn't yielding. But it tells you how to talk to God about it. You know? And, and Job, all of his friends, boy, they were not any help. They were all trying to figure out what had gone on in his life that made God so upset with him. But actually, God had something totally different in mind through Job's experiences. And you come to the end of the book, and you know what the most valuable thing in life is? Really? It's knowing God intimately. You know, I love that statement in the Scripture regarding Moses that says, Moses talked with God the way a man speaks to his friend. Don't don't you want that kind of closeness with God? And when you come toward the end of Job, as Job has been seeking God despite the unhelpfulness of his friends, he comes toward the end and he says, before, I, I like the way he prefaced it, I lay my hand upon my lips. Before, I had heard of you with the hearing of the ears. But now, 
I have seen you. Now I have seen you. You know, in the crucibles of life, God is always out to bless you. And I'll tell you, my theology does not teach me that God causes all these things to happen to us. My theology tells me that I'm living in a fallen world with a devil that's sort of on the loose right now. Not entirely independent, because God stops him short of putting on any of us more than we can bear. But he hates the saints. And in the midst of tribulation and difficulties, whether it's direct satanic oppression or whether we just live in a fallen world, and guess what? Some of the junk fell on us. God is there to receive us and to, to, to minister to us and to lead us through the crises, through the tough times, to show us Himself, to give us a revelation. And when it's all said and done and we come to the end of the journey, the Scriptures are there to teach us even how to die. Unless Jesus tarries and comes back in your... I mean, doesn't tarry, but comes back in your lifetime, every one of us in this room are going to face death. But He will be there in that moment. You're with me, Lord. Your rod and your staff protect me. When I go through the valley of the shadow of death, you are present. And you even set a table for us to fellowship in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And God ministers to us. The Bible has all the answers for every important part of life. And if you will open your heart to receive it and read it and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you, you will be prepared and equipped. I'm going to talk about that next week and then we'll move on to some other aspect of growing up in Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Encourage us this morning. Teach us. Guide us. Bless us. And give us a hunger to know the truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Ron, do you guys have a closing song? Okay.